Hey there, Margie Bryce here bringing you the Krabby Pastor Podcast. And I don't think you're going to be too surprised to know that it's too easy today to become the Krabby Pastor. Our time together will give you food for thought to help you be the ministry leader fully surrendered to God's purposes and living into whatever it takes to get you there and keep you there. So we're talking about sustainability in ministry. Well, good day to you. This is Margie Bryce here, and I am about ready to set on a three-part podcast here. But before I do that, I wanted to just tell you, I I did get a chuckle out of just how many people have downloaded the podcast on vacation. So maybe a lot of you think other people need a vacation, whatever. I was just kind of pleased at that because, yeah, there's probably a lot of people that need a vacation (laughs) right now, making sure that we do take that time away for a different schedule, a different pace of life, looking at potentially different walls or no walls out in nature. So anyway, I am about to start this three-part podcast and I I went on this unusual media jag, you know, I was just kind of drawn to these things. I am in no way getting a kickback or anything. I'm not even really necessarily advocating that you go and watch these things per se, unless you're exceedingly nosy like I am. I was just drawn to these, kind of like when you're watching movies about world destruction. You know, I think I've seen the planet destroyed by storms, asteroids, nuclear, freezing, you know, and I'm not sure what that's about. Apparently, there are people that talk about our sense of control and all this about that. But anyway, you know, you just kind of become fixated on it and you become like, you know, bugs drawn to a bug zapper, you know, like on Bugs Life. I can't help it. It's so beautiful. And so you just keep watching. So this podcast has been percolating for a bit while I was consuming the media and then decided I was going to use it for the podcast. And it was one documentary and two kind of mini series things that really spoke to me about leadership. And you do have to lead yourself first. That would be an element of self-care before you can lead others. So that is my tie-in with self-care. And I'm always advocating for a specific type of leadership called canonic leadership, where you're surrendered and working alongside with God's purposes and work in the world. So This podcast is kind of like one of those summer at the movie sermon series, you know, where you take a secular film and you find a Christian theme that sort of speaks to us, except I'm going to talk about, for this episode anyway, two secular miniseries, and it was an accompanying, well, not really accompanying, but a documentary about the same topic. And then the next podcast is going to cover uh, a documentary about Christian leadership failure and a podcast also about Christian leadership failure. So, you know, sometimes you learn a lot from failure. I hate that actually, that we learn, we do learn mostly by failure. So if you failed at something recently, the question is, what can I learn from this? So here's a question. Why do we kind of get a kick out of watching destruction? I mean, maybe this is just me. 
I don't know. I mean, I don't like all destruction. I've given up watching shows with murder. I can't watch those crime shows, you know, for quite a few years now. I, I can watch the planet explode, but I have difficulty watching people be murdered. But I think that's a different podcast, um, though. Anyway, I do have a NASCAR theory, and I have to apologize up front to the NASCAR enthusiasts, one of which is my husband. And yes, I have proposed this theory to him. I like to say to him, why are you watching this? You know, all it is is turn left, turn left, turn left. You know, I just, I don't see the fascination really. It's interesting for a limited amount of time to watch the cars go really, really fast and see who who can go the fastest. However, my working theory is that people are in it to see the crash. And I don't mean to make light of loss of life whatsoever. You know, the drivers know there's danger in what they do. Their families know there's danger in what they do. I mean, you're basically on a rocket with wheels going around and around a track as fast as you possibly can. And sometimes stuff happens. So I I have said to my husband, I think some people watch this for the crash. I really do. You know, and when the crash happens everything stops. It's amazing when a driver walks away from a burning car. I will say that. Um, And it's exceedingly tragic when a driver doesn't survive. So the media I'm going to work with today are more about leadership destruction. And probably this is my form of watching a NASCAR crash, I guess. I'm bringing you along for what these have to say, how they spoke to me, and what they have to say to us about leadership in the Christian realm. Because the theme here is about a meteoric rise to the top and then the self-induced destruction. Because people do have choices to make along the way. And I think there's something for us to learn about here. Maybe it's a thing where you like to see the person on top topple. We like the meteoric rise, but watching the fall is also just gripping. And this is true in the Christian realm, whether it's the local church or within some denominational or or even non-denominational structure that limits asking some serious questions along the way and inadvertently grants too much power to one person. Hey there, Margie Bryce here with the Krabby Pastor Podcast, always wanting to make sure that what I am serving up is what is going to be most helpful for you. While this is a podcast dedicated to encouraging self-care and especially self-care in leadership, because, you know, you got to lead yourself first before you can lead anybody else. I also want to make sure I'm offering you the content that, that helps you. I am also always on the hunt for any kind of burnout stories that you'd like to share, and I am always looking for your input on topics of great interest to you, or even even just raise a snarky question at me uh, about life in ministry. That's fine, too. What I have is a form on the KrabbyPastor.com website. And what I need you to do is go to that website, go to the Krabby Pastor podcast link, and use the form there to communicate with me so that I can make this podcast be everything that you need it to be 
and more. Just know any information you provide me uh, is confidential unless you say to me, hey, I'd love to be interviewed on your podcast or I'd love to be a part of chatting it up with you on your podcast. Other than that, uh, unless you make it clear to me that you want to be an active part of it or you want that kind of exposure, uh, (laughs) I will consider your material a confidential. So go to KrabbyPastor.com, go to the Krabby Pastor podcast link there and fill out the form and talk to me, please, so I can make this be for you everything that you need for it to be, to be successful and to feel fulfilled in your ministry. I'm going to start with the story of Elizabeth Holmes. It's uh, Dropout is the name of the miniseries on Hulu. And then, you know, then I had to watch the documentary called The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley on HBO. I mean, this was pretty jaw-dropping. This was about a young healthcare entrepreneur, and, and she had a great idea, but the idea never really materialized. Again, here, through her connections, this person got investors to buy into her idea of a machine that was supposed to do a lot of health-related blood tests using only a single drop of blood. And many of us would be rah, rah, rah for that. I know I would. I'm not a fan of a blood draw, but you can survive it. I have. Anyway, the machines eventually went public in Walgreens in Arizona, and the machines that she was working on creating never worked. She ended up knocking off and using other people's equipment and it just didn't work. It didn't work and she didn't, and she knew, she knew it didn't work. So, so there's that. Now, along the way, there was little accountability, really little transparency. The investors would press for a completion date. You know, when is the machine going to be ready? And eventually she picked a date, but then she kind of fudged the machine part of it. You know, I don't I don't really know how you can say your machine gives healthcare information when you know for real it does not. Like telling somebody that they don't have a bad disease when they do, or like I think they use the the uh, example of syphilis, you know, telling somebody they don't when they do, or, you know, that kind of thing. Telling someone they're healthy when they're not, or vice versa, is you know, it's pretty mind-blowing. And she knew, she knew all along, I can say this, because Elizabeth Holmes was convicted of fraud and is home somewhere awaiting sentencing. So, Now, what happened with her, though, is she aspired from the get-go to be Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. She was just convinced that's who she was going to be. This was going to change and revolutionize healthcare. And I almost wonder whether Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, you know, aspired to be, I don't know, Edison, maybe, I don't know, from the get-go. But she did. That's a pretty lofty... uh, aspiration. I mean, I guess you got to dream big. But on the other hand, maybe you just need to be trudging along and content with where you are, but always dreaming and always striving and working towards something. But you'd like that something to be reality at some point. Along the way, she got even more intoxicated with this idea, even though her 
her uh, own invention like kind of didn't pan out. And and I kept thinking, why didn't she take more leadership early on when the project was failing uh, to produce any kind of good results? You know, having a dream is wonderful, but we do travel in reality. Honesty and transparency are important. Having a dream is great, and creating a team to help you achieve that is great. And if along the way you discover the dream isn't meant for reality, well, you know, like I said earlier, you have to ask yourself, what have I learned along the way? I think Edison failed a lot of times before the incandescent light bulb ever showed up. And we do learn best from failure. I hate that. I always say that. I always say that I hate that. We learn best when we are open to what can happen on the road marked for failure. So I want to go back, though, for a second and, and look at the aspiration to be Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. And it's not like we don't have Christ, Christian celebrity pastors, megachurch pastors that, you know, you, you want to aspire to be like them. And and you can say, well, because we want to, I want to reach more people for Jesus like them. But what if that's not the road God has marked out for you? That is sobering, I know. You just have to be faithful and obedient with where God has planted your feet. So Elizabeth Holmes, though, going back to her, will probably be confined somewhere, I don't know, luxurious? I don't know. And the dream that she had will just remain with her, confined, unable to ever become reality. And maybe some honesty and open accountability would have taken her down a different path. More like Edison, where you just keep trying, keep trying. But unfortunately, we will never know about that. So I'm moving on now to the next miniseries. And this is We Crashed. And this is about WeWork, a shared workspace where you rent space. And it just looks like a fun and cool place to hang out and do your work. And Adam Newman. Adam Newman is portrayed as a serial entrepreneur in this miniseries, and through connections, he leverages like a lot, I mean a lot of money to expand his created workspace business. Well, actually, it becomes worldwide empire. Um, so, I mean, at least he definitely had a real life product that worked, you know, <laughs> unlike Elizabeth Holmes. So along the way, he seems not to care not notice, or not think that the bottom line really does matter. He was losing millions of dollars a day. And I'm thinking, how on earth do you do this? I'm back to how on earth do you raise that kind of money? Who knows people who has this kind of money? But anyhow, apparently, clearly, I don't. But anyway, he is losing millions of dollars a day, seriously, living very lavishly. He basically blows off when people around him, you know, like the board and even his business partner, try to explain that expenses cannot exceed income for a long period of time and to the tune of millions a day. 
He believes you have to spend to grow, spend to grow. He says that a lot, spend to grow. And he has this magnetic personality that says the most schmoozy things I think I've ever heard, but it seems to hypnotize the people around him into believing it's going to be all right. In the world of economics, if you're in the red, you either have to, this is simple, this two things here, you have to get more money, more revenue, more sales, or you have to cut your expenses. And his solution was to find more money, uh, more investors, or get existing investors to invest more. And you know, at some point, the money spigot does run dry. And he seemed to be very unwilling to cut expenses. So you can see, this is like not sustainable. And he just he just refused, refused to even consider that. I mean, this is the idea of lavishly spending other people's money, right? I mean, it's pretty fascinating how he managed to maneuver into this place. But it's something that most of us on the lower rungs of the food chain, we know nothing about this, right? Except in the church realm where we believe the money belongs to God, that would be spending other people's money. Or, you know, sometimes givers uh, like to add strings to their giving. So it kind of feels sort of like it's still theirs. But even if they give it without strings, we're still spending other people's money. So we are called then to be good stewards with what we're giving. Other people's money covers our salaries, the light bill, heat bill, insurances, facility expenses, and on and on. And while we are heavenly minded, we do have to travel in reality. That was some of Elizabeth Holmes' issue as well. Just ask anyone who has done a construction project about the reality of the planning commission ordinances. So you have to travel in reality. And I'm the mom of a city planner. And they do indeed have the final say. Anytime I ran a question by him about a, situ a construction project, he always cited on the side of the city planners. I'm like, oh, come on, I'm your mom. Be on my side. But no. So you got to travel in reality wisely use the assets that God has granted you with an eye towards good stewardship. And a magnetic personality does not pay the bills. So what is at the heart of these two situations is this. Egos so large that reality didn't matter. Their leadership was not genuine they were more interested in what their egos were getting out of it and that they were growing their own kingdoms. They lost focus on how the people they lead could be impacted and what they were enduring for the sake of the leader. So here it is. This is the most profound thing that I'm going to say today. So I don't know if you want to get uh, pencil and paper ready or you've got your on your phone or something, because this is going to be like really profound what I'm going to say. Don't be like that. I better say it again. Don't be like that. So look at your own ego and ask yourself how well you're traveling in reality and ask yourself 
whether it's okay for you to fail and what you might learn from failing and whether you're aspiring to be someone else and walk the path of someone else. And I don't mean Jesus here. I'm talking about other people who are very successful or more successful than you. I'm talking about the path that God has for you and to be grateful and appreciative for where you're at today. Our next episode, I'm going to cover Christianity Today's Mars Hill and the Hillsong documentary and look at what they can teach us as ministry leaders. Hey, thanks for listening. It is my deep desire and passion to champion issues of sustainability in ministry and for your life. So I'm here to help. I stepped back from pastoral ministry and I feel called to help ministry leaders uh, create and cultivate sustainability in their lives so that they can go the distance with God and whatever plans that God has for you. I would love to help. I would consider it an honor. And in all things, make sure you connect to these sustainability practices, you know, so that you don't become the crabby pastor.